<coughs> Good evening, brothers and sisters. Um, everything doesn't always uh, go according to plan, and um, our printer didn't want to work with uh, the plan this evening. So forgive uh, me having to grab the laptop and get here as fast as possible. Um, 1 Peter 2, verse 8, uh, verse 9. Where Peter describes who we are as Christians and why we were saved. What is the purpose of our salvation? Saying, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And here it comes. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He's saying we were saved so that we may proclaim the excellencies of a person. He's saying so that we might make known to others the greatness and the being of who this person is. He's saying we were saved out of the darkness of ignorance and moved into the light of the knowledge of God so that we can make known we can make known to other people who God is now the question is how can one know God God has revealed himself in, and his attributes in nature it's true through the creation that we see around us but due to the presence of sin we cannot know God in truth through nature if we do that apart from God's written revelation. What is revealed in nature about God, we invariably twist and pervert into a God of our own invention. Only through the lenses of God's word, God's written revelation, can we correctly understand and know God in truth. In truth, yet not in his entirety, or completely, or comprehensively. From the offset, we need to acknowledge that the scriptures teach us that we cannot know God comprehensively, but we can know him truly. That means to say that we can know enough about God to truly know him for who he truly is, yet we are unable to know everything about him or put differently know him comprehensively this is due to firstly the fact that our finite persons are not capable of grasping the greatness of God's being this is because our natural because of our natural limitations of thought and comprehension secondly we cannot know God comprehensively because of the presence of sin Our ability to grasp the divine being of God is limited by sin 
because of the great divide between perfection and sinfulness. Thirdly, simply because the invisible God has only revealed himself in part. We can only know what he has actually revealed about himself. We cannot know that which we cannot perceive, so we can only know that of him which he reveals to us. And the reality is that he has only revealed that which is necessary for us to know him in truth. This is taught in Scripture in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29. After the covenant of of God's law has been renewed in Moab, This is what's said. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. What does that mean? He's saying that what God has revealed about himself, that we can know, but there is certain aspects, certain things that God has kept back about himself, which is only known by himself, and is not for us. And uh, as I have prepared and studied this concept of the perfections of God, I can truly say, This is too great. This is too high. This is too complex. We aren't able to even comprehend more if God were to give us more. But he has given us enough. What we need to understand is he has given us enough to know him for who he truly is. And also in Isaiah 55 verse 8. The Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So we have this problem of us being limited and God being so much greater and transcending above that which we can understand, above that which we see around us. And that leaves us with a limitation to understand God. But thanks be to God that he has purposefully revealed himself in Scripture because he wants us to know him truly. Now, as we look to the scriptures, we see that God is described through specific words in many ways, but through specific words, for specific concepts. And these concepts can be classified in many ways. Some of the most common ways to classify 
the being of God or to explain the being of God is by dividing God's attributes or God's perfections into the communicable and incommunicable attributes. Where the communicable attributes are attributes where we, in a sense, also share or possess these attributes like love, grace, kindness, mercy. And they are mostly stated in the positive. Because, in a sense, we can relate to that, saying, God is love. God is merciful. God is mercy. God is gracious. But then we have those attributes of God by which God is described, of which we have only what it is not. We, only, we can only know that God is not limited like we are. We can say what we know is time. We know what time is. But what God is, is, well, he's not constrained by time. You see, he's stating it in the negative. He's not this thing that you know. He's not that. He's the opposite of that. But it's, it goes even more further than that by saying he's, he's the opposite of that, but he's actually completely outside of that. For example, time. Now, the attribute that we are looking at this evening is one of those that are described as, as negatively, namely God being infinite. Now, in the word itself, the meaning of the word is not finite. So what is infinite? Well, it's, uh, it's not finite. And <laughs> we were at the wedding this, this um, weekend, and you're, this is too high for me, and I was thinking, I was talking to these guys, Chris could, could tell you, I talked um, the ears off of his head trying to figure this out. What is infinite? What is this? How can some, some being be infinite? And you know the, the conclusion is what I just explained, that we cannot know it in full. But we can understand it in truth. We can have enough of it. So what I will endeavor to do is classify the quality of God's infiniteness with two words. Okay? Firstly, God is infinite in quality. Okay? And secondly, God is infinite in quantity. Okay, now, what we need to understand are these, these words are Ways that we refer to God as we endeavor to explain the non, this otherly being in a way that we can understand as humans. 
And pretty, pretty much, infinite comes down to God being without limitation. God being without limitation. And firstly, what we will look at is God being without limitation in the quality of all of his attributes, in all of his being, which can be referred to as his absolute perfection. So his perfection is infinite. It is absolute. It cannot be more or better or improved in any way. And we need to understand that God's infiniteness in quality qualifies all of his other attributes. God is infinite love. God is infinite power. God is infinite grace. God is infinite perfection in every sense. As Dr. O-O-R says, perhaps we can say that infinity in God is ultimately A, internally and qualitatively, absence of all limitation and defect. So see what he's saying in the negative. It's the absence of this limitation thing that we understand and this defect thing that we understand. He has, he's saying he has nothing of that. Secondly, B, boundless potential. In this sense of the word, the infinity of God is simply identical with the perfection of his divine being. Now, what does the scripture say? Does the scripture agree with this definition? Yes. Psalm 145 verse 3. Now see, as we, as we look from verse 1 up to verse 3, we see, in a sense, the result of meditating on the fact of God's greatness. All right? And let us learn from that and, and understand that meditating on these things that are so high for us, that are so unattainable in a sense, that we reach, we reach, we reach, but we just, we just can't get there. And that's fine. But we need to reach. And this should be the result. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Now, the next verse, explaining God's absolute perfection, using the example of one of his attributes. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Now other translations of of God's word would say his greatness is unlimited. It's unsearchable. It It is past measurement. It cannot be measured. That's the that's the that's the point. It is not just that it's that it's like a key. 
It's not like it's 100%. It's like it cannot even be measured in any way. It's outside of measurement. It's unsearchable. Which brings to front this idea of the weightiness, the greatness, the vastness, the perfection. Perfect. It cannot be greater. It, there isn't, it cannot be more because it cannot even be measured. It's just infinite without limit. Perfect. Perfect. Now, on this point, it's very helpful to understand that when we refer to the attributes of God, we're not referring merely to God the Father. And that's, I think, as I thought about it, it's maybe subconsciously, when you think the attributes of God, you think God the Father. But God is triune. God is not merely God the Father. God is God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Now this infinite perfection of attributes is true for God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And then you think, this is our example this infinite, limitless, boundless perfection in every way is true of Christ. It is true of the Spirit that it dwells us. That is our standard. That is our example. You see, so these difficult, oh, very difficult subjects even though we we don't attain a full understanding of it, we do grow and increase and get blessed by thinking and meditating on on the fact that God is infinite. Christ is infinite. God the Holy Spirit is infinite. And we aren't. And that's why Christ said in, in, in Matthew 5, verse 38, You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Wow. What? So now we think, oh, but these, this, this, the attributes of God, it's so theoretical, it's so difficult, like, can't we do something simpler? I thought, I thought that. I'm like, oh, this is tough. Really, this, this is stretching me. But it's so good because now when we see Christ saying, you must be perfect, we see that that perfection that he's referring to is a limitless, boundless, absolute perfection. And now, what do you think does he mean by that? That you can actually be that perfect? No. He's saying that's the standard. You cannot attain that standard. So what do you need? You need that standard to be achieved by someone and to be given to you. Namely Christ. The infinite, limitless, absolutely perfect God, the Son. 
And no wonder Paul says in Romans 11:3, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. You see how meditation on the attributes of God cultivates and results in worship. Paul thought about this and like, wow, what? Amazing. Truly, it's so, I'm so excited, actually, to know that the church will be going through the study on the attributes of God. Because I have been so blessed so far. Even just in thinking about one attribute, I'm, I feel like my thinking has radically been changed. Where I thought, yo, I knew God. I'm like, yo. <laughs> so, it, it's good. So that's God's infinity in quality. Next, we describe God's infinity in terms of quantity. Not that God is quantity, but that's the only way that we can make sense of it. And this aspect can be further divided into, into two parts. God's infinity in time and God's infinity in space. Not space, but like the space, physical dimension. And that results in seeing that all of the attributes of God intertwine and they are inseparable. So yes, we go and focus on them one at a time, but inevitably, you can't look at the one without looking at the other. Or looking at the one and all of a sudden you're at the other one. How did I just get here? And you, you just, and that's a very important point because God isn't divided and like, oh, okay, let's do this little box of God's infinity. Let's do this little box of God's majesty. Let's do this little box of God's simplicity. It's exactly the fact that God is simple, one undescribable being that I can't get my mind around. And that's exactly where God wants us to end up. Understanding truly, but realizing we, it's so great, we cannot comprehend fully. Like eternity. Eternity isn't just a lot of time. Eternity is something completely separate to time. So God is in eternity... And then time began. And he's still outside of time. So he was always outside of time. He's still outside of time. And he transcends any limits imposed by time. And this is taught to us in Psalm 90, verse 2. As I just see verse 1, immediately 
everything, every word, every sentence, every saying in Scripture, all of a sudden, the depth of the meaning is greater. We say, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And then, emphasizing God's eternity, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Forever and forever. That which we cannot understand, that thing that's not time, that's outside of time, that, that is what God is. Eternal, self-existent. All of a sudden, we, we, now we're in the aseity of God again. You see, you, you, can't, you can't just stay because God isn't divided. God is one. I don't even have the word. And in Psalm 102 verse 11, emphasizing our finiteness in the light of God's infinite, eternal being. Psalm 102 verse 11. My days are like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. You see, thinking about the eternity of God, what's the result? This man is humbled. So, you're struggling with pride? Think about God. Right? And he's saying, I, I am like an evening shadow. I wither away like grass. But you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. You are remembered throughout all generations. But it's, it's even more than that. It's not merely all generations. It's all generations and you step back and then all of, again, limitless. Limitlessness. You cannot measure it. You can't say even that way or that way through the timeline. Because there isn't a timeline. There is no way to measure eternity. It's, it's by definition, unmeasurable. Again, God being unmeasurable. Then secondly, God's infinity in terms of space... which is referred to as immensity, which is very similar to omniscience. It may be defined as that perfection of the divine being by which he transcends all spatial limitations. Again, limitlessness. He's limitless in terms of physical space. He's limitless in terms of the quality of his being. He's limitless in terms of time, and is limitless in terms of space. And yet he is present in every point of space with his whole being. Isaiah 66 verse 1.
the Lord says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? Do you now understand what that verse is saying? God is saying, I'm infinite. I'm, I am unlike you. I'm not just a big giant. I am unmeasurable. I'm not just 15 meters high and big, or 100, or 1,000, or a million, a trillion, a billion. That's, that's mere measurements. I'm outside of that. I'm lim- unlimited. And now we see what the Apostle Paul, one who meditated a lot about the attributes of God, says, Yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. And Jeremiah 23, verse 23, I am a God at hand, declares the Lord. A- am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth? How? And Psalm 139 verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? David, meditating on the attributes of God, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shul, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. What comfort. And your right hand shall hold me. It's beautiful. The being of God is amazing, wonderful, and perfect. And it's such a delight to think about this. In Acts 17, verse 27, Paul says, let's go there. Acts 17, verse 27. Well, let's start from 26. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. You see what we were talking about, the stained with sin and just merely natural revelation? Yet, he is actually not far from each of one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own prophets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone. You see what what 
man does in his sinful state. He sees what God has revealed in nature and he twists it and perverts it. And what does he do? He's limited, so he makes a God that he can sort of understand. Again, showing another thing to us, that Scripture is divine. Scripture came from God. I cannot come up with a God like this. It's not even anything that we experience, this God. The only way we can know Him is Him revealing Himself to us, explaining Himself to us. And now you ask, yes, I seek to know God. I want to know God. You know where to go. Don't go and sit and meditate. Yes, it's good to look at creation, but it's good to look at creation through the lenses of Scripture. Then creation is highlighted. That's that where, we, where you just saw the colors and the forms and the shapes. You now see the hand of God. You now see the greatness of God. You now see the kindness of God. You now see the grace of God. You now see the provision of God. You now see the, the um, power of God. Through Scripture. We can know God through Scripture. And then our last verse... Job 11, verse 7 to 10. This is where we should be led as we meditate on the things of God. Job 11, verse 7 says, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It is higher than heaven... What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes through and imprisons and summons the court, who can turn him back? Scripture scripture testifies. Way back then, before man thinks he was enlightened and could be able to think properly, these great thoughts that are above any human thoughts, is divine, given to us by God for the instruction in the knowledge of God. So that, as we read at the beginning, we may proclaim the excellencies of Him. Him. This Him. God. Infinite. Infinite in His perfection. Infinite in terms of time, outside of time, absolutely unlimited, and unlimited by anything. These few things that we can describe and understand is unlimited in even the amount of his attributes. Because remember again, the attributes aren't divisions of God, but it's ways to describe the oneness of the God, the triune God. So this should encourage us to see the usefulness and the blessing and the result which should be all 
awe in God. We see from, from that first verse, 1 Peter 2, that the very purpose of God bringing us out of darkness into light so that we can know Him and that we can make Him known. That is what God desires of us. And that, there lies our joy. Seek out God and see how He is utterly, utterly indescribable. And be satisfied and see others be changed as well. And know that this God that we do not see now, from whom we are in a sense divided, but yet through Christ we are brought near. This infinite, all-sufficient, lacking in nothing, needing nothing God came, became a human, infinite into a baby. You see, all of these things, everything now its meaning increases and deepens. And may God bless us as He instructs us in the truth of His being. I've been so blessed by trying to figure out God in just one aspect. And I've came, come to the Realization that, yes, indeed, God cannot be known comprehensively, but he can be known truly. Oh God, how we rejoice to think that you are way above, transcending above all creature limitations. Unlike we are. Lord, teach us who you are. Lord, may we also marvel and stand in awe like Paul and and David and Isaiah and Moses and Stephen and Peter. May we stand in awe of you, O God, and know that one day we will see you for who you are. We will know even more of you, Lord. And Lord, we will wander into the rest of eternity. We will be in awe and be completely satisfied by you. By you, your perfect being. O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we rejoice in you. We praise you. You are high and lifted up. You are unlike us. And how you can be interested in being intimately acquainted with us. God, our minds cannot fathom, and that is the point. We stand in awe, O God. Praise your name and be kind and gracious to us that we might indeed be a people who proclaim the excellencies of Him who radically transformed us and gave us a hunger and a delight 
in the infinite divine being. Lord, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.